Hey guys. Hi, we're back to the Neil Haley show here on the total celebrity segment. And I'm excited to welcome to the show. And I'm excited to welcome Adrian grew and also Bradley constant of young rock on NBC guys. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. So I'm going to kind of just jump right off the bat and tell a story. The rock is so humble. Even before he was the rock, I met him. We were working at USWA down at TV taping and, 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 and Dwayne comes up to me and he says, Neil, I forgot my, and he knew me from doing some other shots. He said, Neil, I forgot my knee pads. Can I wear them for TV? And I said, okay, sure. So he came up to me and we were having a conversation. He was just such a, just unbelievable, nice guy all the time. And Adrian, I question goes to you really quickly. Is that, isn't that true about him when you've gotten the opportunity to understand that character and who he is as a person? Yeah, a hundred percent. He's such a, easy guy to talk to and he's so open about everything he, he it's like he never gets annoyed no matter how many questions you ask exactly and that's the the thing that makes him so true and, and you agree with me as well bradley oh 100 percent, Anna. and going into this of course we i'm sure we all felt a little pressure because we all knew who he was you know and uh you know, once once we met him and talked to him, you're like, okay, you, you kind of forget about the fact he's the rock and all that. You know, he's just exactly. a really genuine and honest and open guy. And, you know, he's what you see is what you get. He's really cool. Yeah. He's definitely a cool guy. And but again, humble beginnings. So, Adrian, tell us about yeah. your character a little bit, meaning how the, the I'm understanding more and more, because when you watch the previews, you don't understand. How can you talk about three different stories at once in each episode, which I love the storyline. So kind of talk about how they're going to show you, Adrian, as ro the rock at a certain age and you, Bradley. So go first with you, Adrian. Um, so it's going to be, well, it's going to be when Dwayne's running for president. And then after he makes this, um, he, uh, does a little flashback and then after you're, you're going to see me and cut to me and he's going to talk, he's going to voice over, um, about the scene and it's going to be where I'm, let's say, getting picked up by Andre and he's teaching me a lesson oh, cool. and uh, it's it's very it's a very emotional roller coaster uh, type of show because there's going to be the laughs and there's going to be the real times and where he's really teaching a lesson where he wants people to relate to and the fact that he wasn't always just this big superstar he had his real times and which i know from him days in uswa uh with jerry the king lawler and he was just you know on a talent contract at wwe and was working uh, which was wwf then all that stuff so bradley quickly same thing so kind of yeah. your character is at a certain time high school right and which is a fun time yeah. to play and get to see hit that humbleness of him and yet building him his character in so many ways right yeah exactly now you know of course this is the time of him becoming who he is now so there are some you know there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of growth that has to happen and it's really cool for me because there were a lot of layers for it you know he has he's, he's trying to work the gimmick and he's putting on like a kind of a front at school he's trying to impress the girls he's doing what it takes. I mean, that's some people's name is Tomas. Yeah. That's kind of like you uh, live the, the gimmick same right time, now. You know, what was that? Living your gimmick. 
you're kind of living your gimmick, yeah. meaning as, a, a, as an actor. Right? Yeah. 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 But you know, there's also like, like we talk about, you get to also see, you know, those characteristics of him, the, the humble, kind, sweet kid, you know, and he really cares about his family. That's the most important thing to him. And um, it's just really cool to showcase the growth of him. So I'm going to give a shout out to Dwayne and say, Dwayne, look, I had a story too. So Adrian has a story. Bradley has a story of playing you. And I have a story of meeting you and working in, in, in the same professional professional wrestling. So everyone tune into the rock February 16th, 8 PM Eastern seven central. Appreciate you guys stopping by and best of luck. And I know the show is going to be great and good luck to you guys. So take care. Thank you so Thank much. You All right. That take was care. the Neil Haley show. Take care guys. Neil Haley here. Lensec has been a sponsor of the Neil Haley Show and Total Media Network for around a year and a half. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about Lensec. Lensec has been a pioneer in IP security videos since 1998. The company is a trusted security partner with experience around the world. Lensec has experience working with customers in higher education, K-12 education, government, public safety, critical infrastructure, healthcare, commercial, and more. The physical security experts at Lensec help customers develop enterprise solutions for their complex physical security projects using our flagship software, Perspective VMS. Lensec's enterprise-level video management software, Perspective VMS, is a browser-based software that streams and captures IP security camera video. The latest version of PVMS uses HTML5 interactive features in a thin client application that is designed to provide real-time situational awareness. Access control and other advanced features are integrated into a unified security platform, creating an ability to track behavior and movement while monitoring the live or recorded video. For more information, please visit Lensec.com. And now back to the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Rob Roselli Show. I'm excited to welcome the program. Rob Roselli. Rob, what's going on? How are you? Hey, Neil. How are you doing? Good to be back. Always excited to talk to you. Let's talk first about this Trump whole thing, the whole Trump craziness of uh, he, he's not even the president of the United States, and then they tried to impeach him. And again, that he got, he got uh, acquitted. So what were your thoughts on that? Well, the whole the premise of the whole thing was ridiculous. I mean, to try to impeach somebody that's not even president anymore has never been tried in the United States history, and it just shows. Well, it shows a few things. It shows how obsessed these people are with Donald Trump and how much they hate him. You know, thou dost protest too much. You have that. You have that saying out there. So, which really means they they really hated Trump because he was really getting somewhere when he was president. They just can't stand him. So I think the obvious thing that they were trying to do by a post-presidency impeachment, if that even makes sense, is to make sure that he doesn't run again in 2024. You know, that's if the country lasts that long, which is another subject. But but let's just stay on point here. Um, They're obviously very afraid of Donald Trump. And it also goes to, uh, you know, and, and then the hypocrisy that was pointed out, I mean, using using words like fight and then this sort of thing. And then, and then Trump's lawyers pointed out that they were all using the same words, 
you know, you know, you know, it was just a ridiculous, it was almost like a circus trial. So we're kind of glad that it's over and they embarrass themselves, but let's, let's look at the bigger picture. I mean, if you're sitting here and you're, you're out here and in and, and the imbecile majority looking at this and you're looking at everything that's going on in the world and, and in the country and how Biden is ruining it as fast as he can. Um, and you're thinking these people got nothing better to do and obsess over Donald Trump, obsess over a former president. It really says so much about the character and who these people are, as I've mentioned. But let's let's just let's just take that in the context of this, this barbed wire and these National Guard troops in Washington, DC. Okay, adding to the anger of people. Now previously I I was thinking, you know, maybe these Maybe that's there just for show, just to kind of, you know, as part of the whole charade to say, look, oh, Donald Trump, you know, he causes riots. We have to have the National Guard here. And I'm thinking maybe, maybe that's the reason as part of this, part of the image that they're trying to convey. Or maybe these people really think that they are going to need National Guard troops when people get PO'd enough and and start marching on Washington. And this time they're not going to be joking around. And I'm, let me just be clear on this. I'm not encouraging this behavior. I'm just looking at this as a casual observer. But let's just let's just look at what Biden's doing. Okay, he's his first one of his amongst his first executive orders with everything that's going on in this country is to cancel the XL pipeline. Right. So now fuel prices are going to skyrocket right in the middle of winter. Okay, you're 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 messing with the fuel supply of the entire nation, and it's not just not just heating oil and this sort of thing that's going to go up in price. I mean, gasoline, everything, food prices are going to go up for what? For what reason? Um, for this whole scam called global warming. And then you have global warming and then you have ice storms in Texas. So you can't really call it global warming anymore, which which means that now they call it climate change. And, you know, of course, all bases are covered. That's not really the subject right now. But if you get that going on, then you got, you know, what was his next priority? Uh, you know, men can participate in women's sports, transgenderism. Okay, he did that with an executive order. So you got that going on. And then you got, you know, what was the, the other thing is he's eviscerating Trump's yeah. border controls um, and border security. Now look at this in, in, in contrast to, to COVID. Okay, so you got tens of thousands of, of potentially uh diseased migrants coming across the border unscreened and it's not just COVID that they could be carrying. I mean it's plague. Who knows what kind of STDs and, and, and what kind of diseases these people can be carrying. So you're letting those people in unscreened and yet you're running around in the country telling people to wear their masks and all this other things and shutting down small businesses and telling churches they can't open and all this, you know, double mask. And, you know, they keep changing. Everybody's got to get vaccinated with these disgusting vaccines that they're pushing on people like drug pushers. Um, So you have all that going on and you're just thinking they're thinking that the anger, especially what's going on with Texas and what's going on in Texas right now, people are literally freezing to death while John Kerry's flying around the world on his private jet telling him we need to cut back on fossil fuels to, to combat climate change. Because they can't call it, again, they can't call it global warming anymore, right? I mean, you can't, if you have snow in Texas, it's kind of hard to call it global warming. So he just changed the, immediately changed the name to climate change, but be that as it may, 
So you have him flying around in his private jet, telling the world we must, and then telling people that they just fired from the XL pipeline, telling them to go build solar panels. So it's kind of like, kind of like a 21st, 21st century version of let them eat cake, you know, let them build solar panels. So the point is when you start putting all these things together and you start connecting dots, people are going to get really, really angry. And maybe that's the reason that they've put up, they put up fences and barbed wire around, around the Capitol building because the next time people march on Washington, it may not be a peaceful rally. I mean, people are, people are going to have nothing left to, nothing left to lose. And there's a saying out there, people have nothing left to lose. They lose it. And then they, and they're forcing, <clears throat> they're forcing people into a corner with all these ridiculous policies. And on top of that, you still have these, you still have these court cases going on where they're going to start looking into the, if Biden is, could actually win the presidency. So what if it comes out, you know, in two months and six months or whatever, that Biden really did not win the presidency, that there really was massive voter fraud, as a lot of millions of people have been saying. What if that all comes out on top of all this? And, you know, all this, what I just mentioned from a guy that's not even supposed to be president. And boy, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe there, there are, there is more to these, you know, stationing troops and, and barbed wire in Washington D.C. than 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 just an image. And that's kind of my, that's kind of my mantra for today. You know, but the bottom line is, I think the country's going, the country's definitely on the wrong path. It's careening towards disaster, and these people oh, yeah. keep bringing it on. I mean, I mean, we're, because it's a divided nation and. What, how do you end this divided nation? Well, you certainly don't end it by letting, you know, by prioritizing transgenderism and, and destroying the XL pipeline and, and allowing in, you know, tens of thousands of illegal immigrants. So let, let's just face it, you know, what, the, what they're looking at is potential voters. They don't really care about COVID. COVID's just a control mechanism. You have to come to that conclusion because if they really did care about COVID, they'd be they wouldn't be allowing tens of thousands of illegal migrants, you know, with the potential COVID cases to come across the border on screen. So they're they're full of they're full of crap in that, and excuse my French in in that regard. So they're, they're doing their best to ruin the country for whatever reason, you know, you know, maybe make us bow to who they are, or maybe bring us into this great reset or new world order. Well, whatever the reason, but they're destroying the nation as quickly as they can with these policies. You know, of course, the useful idiots out there believe it's the right thing to do with the, you know, with the climate change and, and all this sort of thing, which is, a, which is a farce to begin with. But um, who knows? Who knows where this is all going to go? But it can't be going anywhere good, that's for sure. All right. Well, again, a great conversation. Uh, again, we just we got to just kind of, I don't know where, where to turn from here in the fact that you're just looking at things and where they're going in, as a country and wondering why we can't just unite. I mean, I think that ultimately there was the, the far, far, far left really did not tell what was going on that was going on good with the country so everyone thought that trump just did nothing right so you know just changing everything so quickly is that going to lead to a depression 
Well, who knows? Well, I think well, you know, that gets into the economy. And then, of course, you had that, you know, that, that $2 trillion spending bill where they basically paid off the teachers unions, which is another thing that's going to really annoy people, taxpayers that I didn't mention. But, you know, you get the whole Federal Reserve, you know, national debt situation uh, that's out there, you know, the thousand pound elephant in the room that's just sitting there waiting to explode. You know, and these imbeciles are out there spending two trillion dollars like it's nothing. Um, so as soon as you know the United States dollar loses its reserve currency, you know, status, yeah, then you could be talking about some kind of hyperinflation depression that's going to hit the United States. And Trump, Trump was, Trump was working to get rid of the Federal Reserve system, or he at least knew about it. At least he was trying to address it. And of course, he's gone. And another reason why they really hated him, and one of the main reasons why they assassinated JFK in broad daylight. But we, you know, we've talked about that in the past, the Federal Reserve system. So, yeah, I, I think eventually we're gonna we're gonna be dealing with a hyperinflationary depression. Yes. Um, you think this reminds you of after the Spanish flu, where the roaring 20s came and then everything crashed? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to an extent. I mean, historically, that was a little different. I mean, you know, the roaring 20s, were, you know, people just didn't want to think about any kind of foreign involvement and the foreign entanglements. And, you know, and the United States became kind of introverted. So it's not exactly the same parallel, but. Um, you know, we we will have a hyperinflationary depression at some point. Just mathematically and logically, it needs to happen. And these people are doing nothing to stop it. You know, while they obsess over Donald Trump, you know, an individual that's not even president anymore, and they're not addressing this issue. So the whole thing's the whole thing's a joke. But you know, and I, I'm not sure how that's going to play into everything. You know, in in the context of what we just talked about, you know, the timing of everything. But none of this is going anywhere good, Neil. I mean, it's all. It's all okay. careening towards some kind of disaster, and who knows how that disaster is going to play out. But all right, so um, box, uh, uh, boxesunglasses.com, we'll find out. And uh, God's simple salvation. Go to the website. Uh, the teasers are out there. Listen to the podcast, and I appreciate it, Rob. And we'll talk soon. Hi, Neil. And don't forget, the books are on there too. And, and oh, yeah. discussing the history of this stuff. We're not just coming out of not just coming out of left field with this stuff. Oh no, um, you predicted it forever. People need to go back in the history of what you came on my show, and you've explained. And you didn't say it's the end of the world where it's going to be like Revelation. You said it was going to be the destru- destruction of the United States as we know it. That's you're one of the only people that did that, Rob. Took you know, some of the things interpreting in the Bible that of how the U.S. would be destroyed in the fact well, of, that's, that's, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Good. What are you saying? No, I said you were spot on. Okay. We have to go back to all our shows from the evolution debates and everything, you know, so, okay. All right. Sounds good. Well, that, that's the um, that's the thing is that the United States is, is you know, and we can talk about that on a future show, and that's Mystery Babylon USA. But you know, I posted a uh, an ebook on my website where that's for the you can talk about that in the future. But that's the point. The United States is, is in fact in the middle of biblical prophecy. I mean, a lot of scholars, you know, biblical scholars, just say you know, 
it's not, or it's not even in there. But I, I disagree with that 100%. And the United States is the, the focal point, I believe. But anyway, that's subject for a future show. Future show. Okay, Rob. Well, uh, everyone needs to check out his books. And if you really believe what Rob's saying and want to really kind of dive deeper, you got you to gotta check out his books and you got to buy his books. All right. Take care, Rob. We'll talk soon. All right, Neil. Thanks for right. that. Guys, that was the Rob Rosselli Show. Take care. Celebrity Slots. Free spin. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download, free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets, celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today. Time to solve real problems in every education by answering key questions to ensure that every child can learn. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Every Child Can Learn. I'm excited to welcome the program, the host of the show, Phil Maycomer. Phil, how are you? And uh, I, I just, again, get such great knowledge every month with you on how you answer those questions. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing very well, Neil. You know, I always wake up each day just saying it's another day to make a difference, right, in education. And there are so many things that we could be focusing on every single day. And sometimes it's overwhelming to teachers, right? And I yeah. think that we need to simplify and to focus on the things that will give us the most impact. So our topic today is the question that was asked is what is an effective way to teach vocabulary in any content area? Before I get to that, we all know the importance of vocabulary, Phil. It is such an important part of a child's growth and learning because if they don't have the vocabulary, they don't have prior knowledge. Absolutely. You know, it all starts with word meaning. You know, you could have kids read and read and read. They could read a bag of books over the summer. But I will tell you, if they're not explicitly taught vocabulary that are in those books, we're not doing them the best service. We need to make sure that we are explicitly, visibly, teaching them vocabulary in ways that really engage them in really creative ways so that they just have better understanding of what words mean and then how they could really apply them to real life. Because Neil, so many times in schools, kids will look at something and say, well, why do I need to know this, right? It's that question of, well, this is dumb. This isn't important. If we show them what words mean and then why it's important and how they could apply it to their real life they get it they totally get it phil and uh it's it's something that um they have that 
uh, ability once they can kind of make that connectivity. I remember when I taught vocabulary and I, I don't mind, do you mind me sharing as a teacher when I taught vocabulary? Oh, please. Oh, okay. <laughs> what I really remembered when I taught vocabulary is really to make it fun for the student to, we would come up with ways to think about that word in certain ways, putting words on the chalkboard to relating objects to that word, to uh, sentences involving that word, all these different things before we even broke down that word that we were teaching in vocabulary to have the understanding of it. So we tried multiple different facets to gain that prior knowledge so they would understand that word. Yeah, and it's so important to do that multi-sensory teaching that you're talking about, Neil because students just shouldn't be memorizing information. We shouldn't be teaching kids to take tests, right? We need to build skills for them. We need to build the love of learning so that they carry that forward in their adult years. And, you know, there are fun ways to teach vocabulary. I mean, you could talk to any teacher and she could probably list her top 10 favorite ways to teach vocabulary that speak to her style of teaching. And that's all wonderful. But the thing that we need to remember is we need to teach toward our kids and students' style of, of learning as well. So we need to pair our favorite teaching methods with the best ways that they can organize, retain, and remember information. And that's what I'm really interested to ch chat about today. Absolutely. And I think that uh, it's, uh, it's, let's go into that. Let's dive deep. And I know that everyone that listens to this program have a pen and paper, but there's also resources available at the end uh, for our listeners to go and check up on. Go ahead, please. Yeah, you know, um, one of the things I am never a fan of in education is what I refer to as one and done, meaning this one activity is just when you're done with it, you just put it away and you never refer back to it. And the kids don't understand how one lesson is linked to the next lesson. And in our vocabulary instruction, we really can shape that by doing just a few easy things. For example, when teaching, whether it's in preschool for community helpers, say, or in math, or what are decimals or different operations that you're teaching or in language arts, like for a book, like Little House on the Prairie or Charlotte's Web, or even in world languages, like conjugating verbs and understanding Spanish, right? Exactly. Organizing information in a table. And I'm going to do a sound right now of, you're gonna hear me knocking, not a, table, meaning an information yeah. chart or a matrix. Um, and that is what I teach kids is that that's a multi-meaning word, right? So a table of information that has headers, which organize information, building in really nice executive functioning skills that list in the first column, what is the vocabulary word? So if it's in preschool for community helpers, that word might be police officer or firefighter. If it is in language arts for Charlotte's Web, it might be uh, the daughter and then the father and then the little piglet Wilbur. Those are characters that might be in that column. Those are the vocabulary words. 
So the vocabulary word is in your first column, but we also know tables have rows which go from left to right. And so uh, the vocabulary word would be the first column. The second column, of course, would be what does the word mean, right? Like, so right. all that, the definition. But the third column is so important and I cannot stress this enough. And it's something you just mentioned earlier, having an illustration of the word that the students actually draw themselves or look up online different oh, images that they I can love represent. That. I love yeah. that. I love that because uh, that's just really utilizing the multi-sensory, but also in the fact that they really can make that connectivity more and more because they might just be a really visual learner. Exactly. And, you know, we know some kids have strengths in certain areas, right? Now, I'm not the best illustrator in the world, but I always say I try my best. And really, my illustration has to be meaningful to me. If I'm learning the word, my illustration, just like if I take notes on something, those notes have to be understood by me because they're my notes. And so I say to kids all the time, just illustrate the best way you can. I teach kids a certain term. And Neil, I don't know that you and I have ever chatted about this term before related to uh, vocabulary. I call it thumbnail sketching. No, I have not. No, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Yeah, thumbnail sketching is not a big art project. It is a quick and easy drawing that has just basic things in it that you could do in a snap. And thumbnail sketching is a really nice skill to teach kids, especially those that don't feel that they can really draw well, but yet it's important for them to take the ideas in their brain and literally put it on paper or put it on a screen. Because you could use drawing tools on a, a screen as well with technology for this. So I love the idea of kids illustrating something out really from their own lens, so to speak. And then in that fourth column of this table is they then draw out a real concrete example related to the word and related to the real world. And so I think that it's just a really nice way for kids to engage with vocabulary. I also love kids creating vocabulary projects as well, which could be a conversation for another time maybe. But uh, setting up a vocabulary table, if you're in-person learning in a traditional classroom and have a whiteboard, you could set up these rows and columns on a whiteboard and have students participate. Oh, that's so right? cool. Yeah. Very, very easy. You also, whether in person or remote, could set up a slide that you have, like in Google Slides or PowerPoint, and have a table, and you could start entering information that way. You could have students in a remote learning have a piece of paper. And uh, with their piece of technology, after they draw something out on their paper, they then take a photo of it and they, they share it in their Google Meet and then it's added to the table or they themselves add it to a slide. So there's so many different ways that kids could be expressing and participating for engagement as opposed to listening to what words mean.
They're actually a part of creating resources. Exactly. So Phil, the point is that yes, you have to teach that. Yes, you have to kids have the kids read it in a sentence in the book, but you have to utilize these other ways as well because every learner learns differently. And every child can learn is the name of this podcast because of that reason. Every child, regardless of disability, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of socioeconomic background can learn. Exactly, Neil. You know, I'd like to give an example of a special needs student who participated in this type of lesson, but really did not have the hand function to be able to not only write her name, but she certainly couldn't draw things out. They resembled more like scribbling than anything meaningful for her. And so what we ended up doing was giving her picture choices of different things to represent the words. So for example, on the unit of owls, for example, uh, we had our vocabulary word was snowy owl in science class. That was one of the the terms that was going in the vocabulary table. And so we had four pictures out of snowy owls and she got to pick the one that she wanted to paste onto her vocabulary table because she really couldn't have the fine motor skills to draw that out herself. But then in addition to that, because this student uh, then became much more independent and wanted a little more control in her instruction, Uh, and independence, whenever she selected a picture that might be a little bit larger, we cut it in the form of a puzzle and she got to paste it together. And then she got to see all the little parts of that picture create the snowy owl. And it was so cool to see how engaged she was with this. And it's no different than a student grabbing a pencil and saying, I'm going to draw the beak and now I'm going to draw the wing and I'm going to draw the talons or the the claws of the owl. That's a part by part lesson. And so our students put part by part together by pasting a picture together. So it achieved the same goal of putting something together as a picture or illustration of the word. Love it. This is such great information. And when you have done used some of these strategies you must be blown away to see how quickly people can gain vocabulary right it is and you know it it's so interesting neil because just like i said uh previously in our conversation we want to make sure that we're not just like teaching for a test or teaching for this week uh just to get students to achieve something and then we move on to the next thing because that's what what happens in education all the time just because of our unreasonable pacing guides sometimes to need to cover so much information in an often impossible amount of time that slow and steady and i've used that term in our previous podcasts So by doing this methodical type of teaching, you have students retaining the information more because then you're also applying it to the real world. And so, you know, and one example, uh, you know, might be, let's do the owl example, like with Michaela. Uh, Here she was learning what a snowy owl was 
So the vocabulary word was snowy owl. We defined what the snowy owl was. She had an illustration of the word. And then a concrete example was uh, she had to find in a video of owls, she needed to stop it at the snowy owl to show her understanding. And she had to match what was on the video to what was in her vocabulary table. That was an application in the real world. And she lives in an environment geographically where she would see snowy owls, even in her backyard, yeah. right? So that's real life for this kid. Absolutely. It seems like real life. And it's such a great thing. Now, Phil, uh, anything else to provide based on this question? You know, um, yes. I, I had described the uh, four columns with vocabulary word, definition, illustration of the word, and drawing of a concrete example uh, related to the word. You could also uh, swap out one of those columns or add another column for synonyms of the word. And that would be certainly topic dependent. Like we're not really going to find a synonym for snowy owl because that's a particular type of owl. But let's say that it was a different type of word, right? Um, so let's say we were teaching social skills in the classroom and we had the word uh, topic. So what is the topic of your conversation? Well, we could think of lots of synonyms for topic. It's the subject of right, exactly. what you're discussing um, and so on. So having a list of synonyms, words that mean the same thing, really affect down the road the writing process because what we're doing is giving students really nice vocabulary banks to not use the same words over and over again. Oh, such, such, such great information. And, and, and Phil, what's great about this is all of these strategies can be learned online. You could teach vocabulary online. It doesn't have to be in a remote, it could be in a remote setting. It doesn't have to be in the classroom. Correct. I mean, I always say school is school, whether it's, I'll, I'll use the term of a child on the autism spectrum who is so dear to my heart. He would call it, uh, uh, school building school and computer school. And I just thought that was extremely visual in terms of his description of school these days, right? And as we know that, you know, we're still in our pandemic here and a lot of remote learning is still taking place. And so you could just through a simple screen share just through using basic technology tools. You know, one of my favorite apps uh, is called Word Swag, Word, W-O-R-D, Swag, S-W-A-G. And oh, wow. yeah, what Word Swag allows you to do, Neil, is to take a picture and then to type on any visual that you have. And you can get those pictures from like Google Images or say your online textbook or you know, anywhere, or you could take your own photos and then type words on them. And so I've had so many students, I was just teaching problem solving to a group of high school students, and we were identifying problems and solutions and really defining what those words were. And at the end of the lesson, our real life application of a concrete example in column number four was, all the students got to create a word swag 
of a positive statement about solving problems. And like, for example, one student selected this beautiful picture of a horizon and typed on it, there are many solutions on the horizon to any problem. Now that is a real life application of the word solution, right? And so yeah. students, they were just so engaged in this and they got to, you know, print out or use for their pictures that represent themselves online. You know, like when you're in a meeting, you could tag a picture if you're not sharing your video. These students started using their word swags to rep of their positive statements of their vocabulary words as their visuals to represent themselves. So talk about engagement. It doesn't get better than that with high schoolers. Oh, you, you, you bet. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so Phil, where can people get additional resources uh, for this great topic and that, and also other additional information? Yeah. You know um, you can go to my website at about the pact com that's about a b o u t the t h e pact p a c t dot com about the pact com and Neil on our uh, seminars and classes tab there is one particular seminar that I think our listeners would gain lots of ideas from and it is about uh, UDL teaching strategies. So it is the recorded seminar on strategies. And there are so many vocabulary strategies within that seminar, including some of the things that I discussed today. So it would provide really nice visuals and handouts to our listeners if they were interested in that. Fabulous. Such great information, Phil. I appreciate it again for every child can you learn. And I, I learned so much every episode and I have to go back and review and I cannot wait for more and more people to learn about every child can learn and more and more people benefit from your services. So thanks again for stopping by. Oh, it's my pleasure, Neil. All right. That was every child can learn everyone. Thanks for listening to every child can learn. Please visit Phil's website at aboutthepack.com for questions or comments.